Well, friends, do take a seat. Thank you, guys. Just great to worship God tonight and so helpfully led by this wonderful team. Um, just to say um, a welcome to you. Um, it's it's uh, always a privilege to, to meet new people, and I've met one or two uh, who are here for the first time tonight, and that's a really great thing. And, and, and if you are here for the first time, or if you're new to St. Paul's and thinking, what on earth have I walked into? Um, I really hope you find a, um, uh, just have fun tonight, you enjoy tonight. Well, we've got a fantastic team who, who do like an after-hours program each week here, and they are amazing. And tonight I think we've got pumpkin soup, is that right? I, exactly, that was exactly my response when I got the text through. I was so thrilled. So I'm very much looking forward to that. So do stay around. Um, do hang around for that. It'll be, it'll be served at the back after the service. Great place, to, a great way to meet people over food. Something in the Bible about that, I think. Um, but do, do stick around. And, um, and, and if you've got any questions about who we are, or you want to find out more, or you want to quiz me on what I've said, or you want to ask questions about anything, um, then you know, within reason we'll do our best to kind of answer them. But do hang around and join us. It'd be great if you did. And we'd love to get to know you. And we are richer for you being here. So thank you for coming. Um, I'd love us to begin um, this evening with a clip from one of my favourite films, a film called Toy Story. Has anyone else seen Toy Story? Okay, I knew I was on good ground with Toy Story. Anyone here never seen Toy Story? I don't want to embarrass you. Okay, one or two. Okay, Matt Walker, you should know better. Okay, um, just we're watching a clip of this film. It's about uh, two characters called Woody and Buzz. Uh, Woody uh, is a cowboy and Buzz Lightyear is uh, an incredible toy and we're, we're coming to the scene where Buzz has been kidnapped and his life is in danger and uh, Woody is uh, trying to work out a way of rescuing Buzz so let's watch this uh, little clip together Guys! No, 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 wait wait, listen, please there's a good toy down there he's, he's going to be blown to bits in a few minutes all because of me. We've got to save him. But I need your help. Please. He's my friend. He's the only one I've got. Gonna have to break a few rules, but if it works, it'll help everybody. Houston, Mission Control, come in, Control. Launch pad is being constructed. All right, listen up. I need Pump Boy here, Ducky here. Legs, you're with Ducky. Roller Bob and I don't move till we get the signal. Clear? Okay. Let's move!
Signal. to launch. Hey, how'd you get out here? Oh, well, you and I can have a cookout later. <laughs> Houston, do we have permission to launch? Uh, Roger, permission granted. You are confirmed at T minus 10 seconds. In counting, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, Two, one! Reach for the sky! Huh? This town ain't big enough for the two of us. What? Somebody's poisoned the water hole! It's busted. Who are you calling busted, Buster? Who? That's right. I'm talking to you, Sid Who? Phillips. Who? We don't like being blown up, Sid. Or smashed, or ripped apart. We? That's right, your toys. a bit of buzz really great film um i don't know about you but when you watch that if you think there's a character in there that i relate to better than the others 
Um, I'd love to think I was as cool as Woody or as cool as Buzz, but I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's one of the misfits, maybe it's one of the kind of the bust-up toys that kind of hides away in the darkness, hoping that no one will see and feeling a bit hopeless. Maybe we do feel like we're the superhero, we're, we're kind of fully equipped and ready to go, we're the star of the show, I don't know. Um, but I think the thing I want to talk to us about tonight, hopefully, is, is good news for the superheroes and it's good news uh, for the misfits. Hopefully it's good news uh, for those who think they've got it all together and those for whom they wish they had something in some way together. Um, because I want to talk about the importance of community. Um, we're starting a little se- a series uh, this evening, um, of the next three Sundays, on community life. The importance of being community um, and building community. Um, I don't know if you can think of other experiences of community that you've had. I thought of a few that I've had, a number of different community settings. I guess if you're thinking about community, it's a relationship or connection with a number of other people. Um, so, you know, school friendships, you know, mates you hang out with at school, um, uh, university societies, fishing clubs, how sad is that? Football teams, both ones I've played in, uh, supporters, uh, a team that I support, travelling to games, Facebook groups, both open and closed, exclusive and inclusive, uh, small groups, life groups, ministries, whatever it might be. Lots of different expressions of community. In fact, in one sense, I don't know if I were to do a survey here of those of us who use Facebook, but how many of us have got you know, hundreds or hundreds or thousands even of friends on Facebook? but yet really have a connection with many of them. Um, interestingly, you know, if you, uh, the BBC did a study quite recently um, on the increased level of loneliness felt by uh, people in society, not just those who I guess have typically in the past been uh, kind of associated with loneliness, those particularly who are older, who are isolated, who've lost loved ones, who live far from, from family, but younger people, those in the midst of jobs, of school, of life, who are reporting higher and higher levels of loneliness. I wonder why that is. Why is it that we are struggling with loneliness? Well, I would say it is a lack of real, authentic, Christ-built community. Maybe for one or two of us this evening, we know the pain of loneliness. And it's not about being on our own. You can be as lonely as you are in the midst of a crowd. We need community, don't we? We need one another. We need authentic, real community. Back to Toy Story. Toy Story, in that clip, Woody has come to the end of his rope. He does not know what to do. He's lost all his friends. um, His best friend, his only friend, Buzz, is in trouble. And he has to lean on other people. Sometimes we find ourselves in a place where we have no choice but to lean on others. Maybe it's a tragedy in life that's hit. Maybe it's uh, a broken relationship. Maybe it's an anxiety or a fear or an illness. But we need to lean on others. Maybe that's where you find yourself this evening. But again, there's good news for us because community, Christ-centered community, is what provides us with meaning and purpose and those connections that mean that we're less likely to find loneliness or struggle with loneliness. 
Genesis 1 and 2, right at the start of the Bible, is God has created humanity. Uh, it says this in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Um, Let us make man and woman in our own image, God says. Let's make them in our likeness. Um, so what does that mean? Um, it means that human beings aren't made to live in isolation. Um, what we know about God is that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Trinity. Um, something that seems incredibly hard to explain and understand. But one of the easier ways of explaining the Trinity is relationship. Is that God lives in community, in relationship with himself. So the Father loves the Son, who loves the Spirit, who loves the Father, who loves the Spirit, who loves the Son. There's this incredible community of un broken, wonderful love. And when we are made in the image of God, that's what we're designed to live in, an unbroken relationship of love with God and with other people. But we know that the real world isn't like that, actually, that we live in a broken world where relationships don't always work and where our relationship with God sometimes can feel hit and miss. But that's what we're created for. That's what the human heart is longing for. It's connection, it's intimate, deep connection with God and other people. And that's why if we're separated from real community, we struggle. That's why if we find ourselves alone, um, we, we, we find ourselves lacking in some way. And that's why when we find ourselves in a community that we're actively part of, that we're, we're, we're connected well within, we come alive, more alive even than we could possibly imagine. Um, this week, I just popped on Facebook and on Twitter um, just uh, that I was speaking tonight on community, and I asked people to send me some stories of, of their experience of community life. And I guess if I asked us around here, maybe some of these stories would be reflected. Um, so here's a few. Um, when my husband, this is a, a lady um, from, uh, that I know, when my husband was in hospital, I had an abundance of meals provided for me by the church community. It amazed my family and my friends. I have people to laugh with, cry with, and pray with. Someone else. Community is what keeps you in one place, like living with an extended family. Constant encouragement, advice, comfort, and laughter. Um, This is my friend Phil, who lives in Bristol. Phil said this. uh, uh, When Liz and I were new parents struggling with Will, um, they have a baby with learning difficulties or a child with learning difficulties. He was a baby who definitely didn't do the things most babies did. And it was invaluable to have people around us in the, in the community house we lived in, whom we could pass a screaming child for an hour or so while we went off somewhere to recharge batteries, cry, pray, or sleep. We are always grateful to the people who shared our life at that time. Another friend. Without community, I would be alone. I have now people to laugh, cry, and be real with, with people who will challenge me, who show up my selfishness, my lack of patience, and my general un-Jesus-like behavior. It's a place that also draws out giving and loving from me, a place where I get to minister the love of God to others. It's hard, but the best thing ever. That's what community life, that's just a, a selection of a few friends, some from St. Paul's, some from other places, about the importance of community. Community is really important. Being part of community really matters. It's a kind of community where we do life together. I don't know what that means for you at this season time. I think life needs to involve some laughter. I think life needs to involve generosity. I think doing life together involves putting ourselves out for another person. But I think life involves a cost and a risk. It's costly and risky to invest ourselves in other people. But friends, I think it's the only way to live. I think it's the only way to live. What we need is a a community with Jesus at the center, drawing people into the life that God offers, where we love one another 
as we are loved by him. So I want to come tonight to a really well-known passage on community. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I'm just going to draw really quickly four points from that um, that I think are really important about community. So if you've got a Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read um, from verse 12 to 27. Uh, if you haven't got a Bible, do grab one or use your phone or whatever you might do um, just to, to read this passage. One body, many parts. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 12. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. The foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the, um, where am I? Here we are. If the whole body was, were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honour to the parts that lacked it. So there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. It's a famous passage. It's a famous image of the church. Of what does it mean to be church? The word church isn't really used in the New Testament much at all. Um, It comes from a Greek word which means called out people. Which means people who are different, who are set apart for God. But rather than using that word church, it uses different images about what the church is. So the image of the temple, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, where the presence of God lives. Or the family of God, that we're born into a family, a new family, uh, with brothers and sisters uh, who we uh, share life with. But Paul uses this image of the body. This is the main place he uses it, but he does refer to it at, at other times. Um, And here he gives us some real insight into what the community of the church should be like. Because I believe with all of my heart that the church, when it's functioning as a community as it should, is the most powerful and incredible thing that we could ever be part of. I have no doubt about that. I have experienced that. I have seen that in different parts of the world. I've seen it here. I've experienced it um, throughout my life as a Christian. The church, when it's functioning, when it's doing what it should do, is incredible and powerful and beautiful and wonderful. There is nowhere else in the world that you would meet people uh, from every social class, every race and religious background, every age, every every gender, meeting together, worshipping together. The church is unique and amazing. I want to say I love the church. I love Jesus' body. I love it. I love being part of it. I love its messiness. I love the fact uh, that Toy Story clip for me just sums it up so well. And there are, there are people there that I would never choose to be with, but they're here in the kingdom of God, in the body of Christ. Um, there's something about the church that is glorious in its chaotic nature. I love the church. 
I love the church and Jesus loves the church because he gave his life for her. We are the body of Christ. He laid down his life for you and I. He loves the church and believes in it. But what is the kind of church that Paul and Jesus call us to? Well, firstly, it's a church where I becomes we are. Where I am becomes we are. It's not about me. Individualism is one of the curses of our age. The iPod, the iPad, it's all about me, me, me. I live for myself. There's nothing else in the world that matters but me and my preferences. That's what our culture tells us. But the thing is, it kills us. It destroys us. It destroys community. It destroys society. If we live for I, but if we live for we, that changes the world. I want to give us a vision that let's stop living for I am and let's live for we are. And here's the first we are. We are equal. There's no Jew, Gentile, slave or free. In the world, we have all sorts of divisions for different groups of people. When I was a youth worker many years ago, um, the word chav was used a lot. Is that still the case? I'm a little bit out of touch. It is. It was never really used in a positive way. And it really, really bothered me. Now, I have the dress sense of a 70-year-old man. Uh, Many people tell me that all the time. Um, Apologies to any 70-year-old men here who think that I've just insulted you. Um, But I don't care. But, you know, that term was never used. And it was all about the way someone dressed or the way someone approached you or lived. And it really bothered me that we would divide people into, into kind of categories. I hated it. In the world, we do that all the time. We divide people into social groups and all that sort of stuff. And, and Paul says, there's no Jew or Gentile. There's no slave or free. That in the kingdom of God, in the community of the church, we are all equal. We all have value. And what are we known as? The body of Christ. We're known as his. And that's what God is doing. God is taking people from every tribe and nation uh, and making it part of this new humanity, this community we call the church. God is saving people and redeeming people from every walk of life. That means that in Paul's time, a slave and his master could be in the same community. And the slave is told to work as hard as he can. And for some people, that was a really hard thing to hear. But the thing is, the master was told, you've got to pay your slave well. You've got to treat them like family. Paul turning the social structure on its head in the church. And what happens in the church changes the world. Why are Christians at the forefront of the abolition of slavery throughout history? Because it happened in the church and it spilled into the world. Friends, if we build a community in here that is loving and gracious and open and treats everyone equally, regardless of their sexuality or their gender or their social status or whatever it might be, friends, we will change the world. It happened before and it will happen again. Firstly, we are equal. Look around you. We are equal. Equally loved. That doesn't mean that we all lose value. It means that all of us have value. We are equal. The second we are, we are unique. Each of us has been created uniquely by God for a purpose. Individually, we have been created uniquely for a purpose. And every one of us is absolutely unique. No one like you has ever lived in history. No one has had the same genetic makeup as you. No one has had the same personality and experience as you. You are utterly, utterly unique. You are incredible. You are Uh, full of potential look around look at the person next to you they are full of potential they are they are just a marvel of kind of God's creation you may not agree with me but it's true we are uniquely gifted 
All of us have something to bring to the party. All of us have something to offer. All of us have something uh, to do. So we have a unique gifting. You know, maybe there's supernatural gifts. Paul's just talked about them. You know, speaking in tongues or prophesying or healing. You know, they're supernatural gifts that God gives us. But we also have kind of natural traits and talents that God wants to add his power to, if you like, his super to our natural, uh, to coin a kind of cheesy preacher's phrase. You know, it's, it's that God wants to take what, who we are and use us. We are shaped for service. We're shaped to do something. We're uniquely placed to do what God's called us to do where we are. But when we come together in our uniqueness, in our diversity, God uses us to do incredible things. I look at the noise and think, oh, I thought the noise was incredible. Just people from all over um, St. Paul's just, just serving in the community. I can't hammer a, a nail in the wall straight, but I can answer phones and I can help someone lift rubbish into a van. That's about the level of my kind of, you know, capabilities when it came to the noise. But, you know, that's my part to play. For others of you, you were taking photos, you were, you were making tea, you were talking, you were engaging, you were building, you were creating. It's the body of Christ at work. We've got to find out what our gifts are. We've got to find out what God's called us to do and do it. We've all got a purpose. Everyone, uh, everyone gets to play. And that's the second one. Second, we're unique. The third we are is we are needed. Each one of us is needed. Each one of us has got to play our part. If the body is to fulfill its function, if we're to reach our full potential as a community, everyone's got to be involved. Friends, our culture tells us not to commit. Hold back for the better offer. We see that in relationships. We kind of just, you know, we don't quite commit. We don't quite commit to a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend. We don't quite give ourselves to someone because we just want to think, well, maybe there's a better offer coming. Friends, commit. Get involved. Give yourself. It's a lie from hell that tells us that there's always a better offer coming. We need to go against our culture and give it all. It doesn't matter if you're living in Ealing for six days, six months, or 60 years. Give yourself to the community that you're part of. Don't hold back. I think community life, if we give like that, the rewards that we reap are incredible. And the thing is, Paul makes it really clear that it's not just the gifted or so-called gifted or the clever. It's not just the woodies and the buzzes of this world that are the ones that are needed in the community. Paul says, you know, the less presentable parts, and I guess we can kind of understand what he's talking about, the body, the less presentable bits, the bits that we cover up, you know, our love handles, our bingo wings, whatever they might be, those are the parts, I'm sure none of you have got any of those things, but I certainly have, I think. Um, but, you know, it's those parts that, that Paul says that we hate. He says these are the most valued bits. If you find yourself today thinking, I have no worth, I have no gifts, I have no value, Paul says you are at the top of the pile. Some of us have never been first in anything. Paul says, you're at the top of the pile. You're the most valued part. We can't function without you. Friends, we can't function as a community without you. We're not too old to be involved in God's work. We're not too young. We, can't, we don't need to be academic or have qualifications, but it's great if we have some. We don't need to be employed. We don't need to be perfectly healthy. We don't need to have all the answers, but we are all needed. We are needed. You know, a snowflake on its own will land and melt with very little impact, but a blizzard will close an airport and stop traffic. Friends, we are needed. We are needed. Get involved. 
Get involved. Fulfill the function and the calling that God has given you. Use your gifts. Give of, your, give of yourself, your resources, your life to serve a greater purpose. The purpose is serving Jesus and his kingdom with one another. Number three, we are needed. And the final one, number four, we are the church. Paul says this in verse 27, you are the body of Christ and each one of you is part of it. So what it means is that every time we do anything, we represent Jesus because we are his body. We are the body of Christ. Paul is saying that wherever we go, we represent him and we act for him. Because you're the church, every time you feed the hungry, that's the church doing it. We don't come to church. That's just not, that, that doesn't even make sense according to the New Testament. We don't come to church. We are the church. We are the church. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We are the body of Christ. We don't come to church. We are the body. So every time we're out in the community doing whatever it might be, that's the church doing it. If we, every time we visit the sick or pray for the sick or visit someone in prison, that's the church. You know, Paul says that, that it's, we're the hands and feet of Jesus in, in a sense. We're the ones who, who represent him on earth. And he loves to take a ragtag bunch of misfits like you and me and change the world with that. It's an incredible thing. It's an amazing thing. Even the least, even those who feel they're least presentable and wish they could hide away. God's, Paul says you're the most important. Jesus said you have value and worth beyond what you can imagine. You have more to contribute. You have a voice to be heard in the community. I don't know about you, but that's why I love the church. Because there's nowhere else on, on planet Earth where you get to have a purpose and a cause to live for like Jesus and his kingdom. You get to do it with a bunch of people you never thought you'd hang out with. But there's nowhere else you'd find the same joy and friendship and companionship along the way. Next week we're looking at Romans chapter 12 about what, what that kind of community life might be like. And there's one little phrase in there that, that always really strikes me. is that we're a community that's to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep, probably at the same time. That's a real tension we hold, but it's a reality, isn't it? We need to be a place, um, my friend Pete Hughes, who leads a church in King's Cross, he has this little phrase which I absolutely love. Uh, we need to be a community that's, that's safe enough to heal, where those who come just feeling like the misfits, you know, just feeling like I've got nothing to offer and I'm broken and I just need a place to heal. But we need to be a community that's dangerous enough to grow, where we're really going to give ourselves to Jesus and his kingdom. And we're going to do it together. And we're going to encourage one another. And we're going to challenge one another. And we're going to support one another. I don't know about you, but I'm really up for community like that. In fact, I want to give my life to seeing a community like that continue to grow. But we need the spirit of God in which to do that. We need the spirit of Jesus at the heart of anything we do. So I'm just going to ask us, why don't we stand and we're going to pray.